Jewish audio on Kavan.org. Rambam, Mishnah Torah, Hilchis, the laws of mikvahs or mikvahot, the laws of mikvah. <coughs> and we learned earlier that a mikvah is simply, as the word suggests, a collected body of water. However, there are rules and regulations as to how this mikvah is to be collected. Certainly not in a utensil collected by a human being. It has to have more of a natural flow to it, and we learned many of those details. A mikvah has to contain 40 sa'a in it, a measure. Enough volume of water for a person to be able to immerse his entire body under this water. Once it has the 40 sa'a, it is considered a mikvah, and you can add water to it, and it will not harm the mikvah. But prior to the accumulation of at least 40 sa'a of water that meet the requirements of what we call natural flow water, rainwater, and so on and so forth, if more than three lugin of water fall into a mikvah that does not meet that requirement, that makes the entire collection of water unfit. Why? Because it did not yet have the 40 sa'a. And the three lugin of collected water by man fell into it. A lugin is 11.63 ounces, so we're talking about 38 ounces or so of water, can make a mikvah that does not yet have the 40 saw unfit for a mikvah, and that's the general subject matter of what this chapter is about, various scenarios. Mikvah Aleph 1, mikvah shenoflu elof shleisha lugin mayim shuubim, if there was a mikvah. And three lugin of water drawn by a human being fell into it, and the expression is fell into, which means it was not intentionally put in, but it just happened to flow in. Whether it came from one utensil, Mayim Shubim means drawn in a utensil, whether it came from one utensil. A Mishnayim or two utensils. Ushleisha Kalim or three utensils. If you have three Lugin from three utensils, so it's like one Lug per utensil. Is it any different, the fact that it comes from three different utensils? We learned earlier that any time three Lugin comes into an incomplete mikvah, it invalidates and disqualifies the mikvah. Does it change if it comes from three different utensils? The answer is Mitzdarfin. It does not change, and the three utensils combine to invalidate this mikvah because it does not yet have 40 saw in it. But who provided that that the second utensil should begin flowing with water before the first one stops flowing with water so that the flow is continuous. However, if the three lugim come from four utensils, then these four do not combine to disqualify this mikvah. Why? Because it's already too much. It's three lugim from four separate utensils. We say it does not count if it, what's the key word? Fell into the mikvah. The key word is fell. Not intentional. When does this apply? When the person did not intend to add water to the mikvah, it was unintentional. But if it was a premeditated act of adding drawn water to the mikvah, in this cabin, the rabbis may have mikvah. You have to understand that a mikvah needs 40 saw. Here he's missing a little water, so he figures, ah, I'll sneak the water in, even though it's drawn in a utensil, or whatever his intentions were. But he's intentionally putting this water in the mikvah. He says, that doesn't have the limitations we studied about just now. Even if a small weight and the measure he uses here is the size of a dinar, which was a coin used in the temple era, not a very heavy coin. Even if he put the weight of a dinar, the whole shona, every year, he put a little this year, a little bit next year, took him six years. But the fact of the matter is, he put in water, and that's what made it large, that's what added to the volume. All these many dinar weights of water, even over many years, combined to the three lugim, which invalidate the mikvah that had not yet been completed. Now this law, what which law? That if somebody intentionally adds man-drawn water to an incomplete mikvah, this law holds fast, whether... The drawn water was there before the natural water. Or the natural water was there before the drawn water. So they came simultaneously. The bottom line is, Kibon being that, because three lugin of drawn water fell, the teich, our boy saw into a mikvah. And together, this doesn't mean it fell into a mikvah that had 40 saw. It means that now, together, they have 40 saw. Because remember, the key element here is that it has to not have 40 saw in order to create a problem. Once it has 40 saw, it's not a problem. Even if it does not have 40 saw, even with these three lugin. But... It has less than that. It all becomes unfit. And the whole collection of water is considered drawn water. So you could have, let's say, 39 saw of water in a mikvah. Put in, or 39 and a half. Or 39 minus a little bit. And put in three lugin, which is a relatively speaking small measure of drawn water. It invalidates the whole mikvah. Because it did not have 40 saw before this hit it. That's the key of this law here. Even though it sounds a little bit different when we read it, but it's important to point out that all of this is true if the mikvah did not yet have 40 saw. Once the mikvah has 40 saw, a couple of lugim of, of water, three lugim five, is not going to invalidate the mikvah. As we have learned, and as we will learn. Now he says, what about if these three lugin are put in not by one person, but by two people? Base two. Shnaim shikilu zeh, legal mechza, bezeh, legal mechza. Where two people add the three lugin, one adds a lugin and a half, and the other adds a lugin and a half. 
Does that combine? Or, let's say somebody is washing his garment in the mikvah. You know, today we're spoiled. We have washing machines, and we have dry cleaners, and if the dry cleaner takes more than a day, we yell at them. You know, back then you had to go to the river, as if you had a river, and, and wash your garment, or sometimes somebody would wash, sneak into the mikvah and wash his garment in the mikvah. Somebody washes his garment, and then, he, the shaykh actually means he squeezes it, he wrings it out. And he, he picked it up. What you have is if you put a garment into water, you pick it up, you pick up a lot of water with it, especially if there are pockets in the garment. I don't mean pockets like, I mean if the garment creates a, an air pocket where it takes a lot of water. And then the water falls back into the mikvah from a bunch of areas in the garment. Or the Rambam talks about a utensil, which we discussed earlier in the laws of utensils. Chapter 13.10, where it distributes water from many directions. Bottom line is, is it water is being added to this mikvah by two people from various areas in a garment, from a distributor. The, the key here is, is that the water comes in from different sources. The fact that it comes in from different sources does not make the three Lugan law any easier. The fact is, three Lugan were added, they're added. So you've got to be careful. Could be by two people, could be by a garment which picks up water and then lets it come back. The garment becomes a utensil. And even by this unit called a tzirtzur distributor. And therefore, he says in Gimel 3, I'm not Bill Kari Kassel Back then, they used to immerse utensils of all types. They used to immerse everything. If somebody immerses a pillow or cushion of leather into a mikvah, what's the deal with this mikvah? It has precisely 40 saw. Because if it has much more than 40 saw, if it has 50 saw, we're not concerned. This mikvah has exactly 40 saw. He puts this leather cushion in, or this leather pillow, and the leather cushion, the leather pillow, takes out a whole bunch of water with it. As soon as the edges are removed, and there's no longer a connection between the leather cushion or pillow with the water. The water has now, the water in the cushion pillow has now been severed and separated from the mikvah. So now, all the water stuck in the leather cushion or pillow is considered drawn water, because the pillow and cushion becomes a utensil, and the person drew it. So the problem is, how are they going to put this back? It's more than three looking. And the mikvah now does not have 40 saw in it, because it only had exactly 40, 40 saw to begin with. Kate Sadia said, what should he do? Houston, we got a problem. He says, Matbilin, you immerse it to begin with, Umailin, and you take it out of the mikvah. Not in such a way that it takes a lot of water with it, but you hold it upside down. Derech Shuleim, by the edge, <clears throat> so the water to begin with is not drawn out. So the water pours out while it's still in the water. That's the rule with a leather to lower cushion. I guess because the leather will contain the water. However, if we're talking about not a leather pillow or cushion, but we're talking about a basket or a sack, which does not retain water, we can immerse them and pick them up because their pores, there's holes in them, it's not going to hold water, it's not like leather. We do not have to be concerned that this is going to slap out an amount of water that concerns us. Now, and again, many of these laws come from the Mishnah, here he's talking about a situation where there's a cavern, a cave, and very often deep in the cave there's water. This particular cave did not yet have the mikveh water in it, but a little higher up in the cave, you had three different holes in the wall that contained drawn water. Right now it doesn't bother us because there is no mikveh in the cave yet. And let's say there was, in this scenario, there was a log of water in every little hole in the cavern. Now what happened was, there flowed into this cavern, kosher water, rainwater that flowed without utensils, without human intervention. So it's all good. The problem is, as the water height, as the water level is going to hit these three holes, it's going to kick in three lugin of non-kosher water, of drawn water. This is the, this is the problem here. As long as it's known that 40 saw of kosher water fell into this cavern, first, actually, before it reached the third hole, because the third hole will make it the third lugin. Kosher, the mikvah is kosher, because once it has 40 saw, we're not concerned with a couple of lugin falling into it. Imlav, and if it did not meet the 40 saw without this, or even with this, possibly it is impure, it is disqualified. Why is it not impure? It is disqualified, invalidated. Why? Because before there were 40 saw, three lugin of water fell into this mikvah. The fact that it was hiding in holes at the upper portion of the cavern doesn't make it any different. As the expression goes, is the law. Dali, no, uh, hey, five, next scenario, shnei mikvah is if there were two mikvahs, and the scenario is that these two mikvahs were both short. Neither of them had the 40 saw required volume. Now, one and a half lugin fell into one of the mikvahs. One and a half lugin of drawn water, of course, fell into the other mikvah. So now you have an incomplete mikvah, doesn't have 40 saw, but only a lugin and a half fell into it. So it doesn't invalidate the water, because only three lugin invalidates it. But now the two mikvahs combined. And these two mikvahs now became one. So the question is, is this a problem? Because now it has three saw. 
I'm drawing water. One and a half plus one and a half. The answer is it's not a problem. Why is it not a problem? It's perfectly kosher. What kosher? Why? I'm glad you asked. Because at no moment did either of them have the title of an invalid mikvah. Why? Because when they came together, they had 40 saw. 40 saw is a kosher mikvah. At the moment that the drawn water, a look and a half from here, a look and a half from there, come, it's already kosher. Three looking, five looking, ten looking of drawn water that fall into a mikvah that already is kosher with 40 saw is not a problem. Avil, however, mikvah, when this gathering of water called a mikvah, does not yet have 40 saw. Three looking of water, drawn water, fell in, she looking drawn water. So you have a mikvah that does not have 40 saw. Let's say it has 38 saw. And then it's split into two. Or 39 saw, 39 and a half saw. And then it becomes two. And then you added kosher water to make it 40 saw. But before you did that, the three saw fell in. This is the problem. Because the three saw of drawn water invalidates a mikvah that does not have 40 saw. So the fact that you're going to add to it later doesn't help. And if so, now the whole mikvah, all the saw that was in it, is now considered as if it was all drawn. As if all of its waters were drawn with a, a, a vessel, a utensil. Why? Because it never had the 40 saw. So therefore, three lugin of mayim shubim invalidated it. Okay. Just to give you some basic information which we covered in chapter 4. And I mentioned this earlier. A lug, according to the Kahat Chumash, is 11.63 ounces. Three lugin is 34.89 ounces. That's what three lugin is. What is a saw? This is a tough question. If you look into the Kahat Chumash, a saw is 2.18 gallons. 40 saw, 87.2 gallons. However, that's the Kahat Chumash interpretation. There are two basic opinions when it comes to stuff like this. One is Shiuri Torah, and the other is Chazon Ish. The Chazon Ish is a much greater volume, and it is like 171 gallons. So there are different opinions as to what 40 saw are. Okay. Moving right along. Six. What if there is a cistern that is filled with human drawn water? And a canal of rainwater flows into it. And it flows out of it. So it brings rainwater, kosher mikvah water, into the cistern and takes it out. You know, they have certain cities like New York and New Orleans where the main street is Canal Street. Why is it called Canal Street? I was a kid who used to drive from New Jersey to the Holland Tunnel through Canal Street. Because there used to be a canal here. That's why it's called Canal Street. So the canal takes rainwater through the cistern, in and out. So he says, This cistern will maintain its invalidation. For mikvah, the fact that a canal of rainwater flows into it and out of it means nothing. Until you'll be able to calculate, scientifically, mathematically, that there were not even three lugin. Small measure left of the original water, which means the canal water would have had to displace almost all, virtually all of the original water. Otherwise, the original water will keep invalidating the new water. But once it is replaced, once it can be estimated that the canal water basically is all new water, with the exception of a little bit, then it becomes a kosher mikvah. Because the canal water, the way it flows in, rainwater is kosher. Mikvah, gathering of water, when more than three lugin of drawn water fell into it, and therefore it became invalid. And then you put in a lot of kosher water, a whole bunch. You now have 40 saw of kosher water. It doesn't solve it. It still maintains its invalid status. Until all the water that was in it leaves. And the drawn water will be less than three lugin. How does this work? For example, a mikvah that has 20 saw of rainwater. What does it need? It needs 40. And then one saw of drawn water fell in. And then he put in a lot of kosher water. It will remain invalid until we know. Until the person knows she ought to remember. As him saw, that 20 saw came out of it. Plus, five and a quarter carbon plus a little bit. Why the calculation of five and a quarter carbon? Because one saw equals six carbon. One carb equals four lugim. So if you're talking about three lugim, it's three quarters of a carb. So when you have a saw, is six carbon. So when you have five and a quarter carbon, it leaves three lugin. That's why you need to have a little more than five and a quarter. So it leaves less than three lugin. That's basic mathematics. 
of the unfit water, slightly less. So how many saw were there to begin with? 20. Three lugin. So you have to make sure that the 20 lugim came out, plus five and a quarter kavin, plus a little bit, leaving less than three lugim in there. One will purify the other. And this is a very important explanation. What we just said is that if you have a kosher mikvah, because it has 40 saw of mikvah water that flowed in properly, and then this kosher mikvah touches, let's say there's a hole that connects both of them on the side, just touches the other invalid mikvah, the kosher one makes the invalid one kosher. Wow. How's that? So there's a note in the Meshnaim Rabbah, a very important note. And that's the way many of our mikvahs today work, as I explained in the previous chapter. As explained in chapter 8, the great length, when a body of unacceptable water is joined to an acceptable mikvah, imagine you have two mikvahs. One is kosher, one is not kosher, and it's joined. How could it be joined? There's a little plug that's removed, and now there's flow between them. The unacceptable water becomes fit for immersion. Now, this technique has a name. This technique is called hashaka. Like the word kissing. The water kisses the other water. Now, many of the mikvahs today have two cisterns. One of them is kosher rainwater, and the other is city water, filtered city water. But as long as there's a connection between the two, that's called hashoka. So the city water, the filtered city water, becomes rainwater because it touched the rainwater. And there are scientific methods of making sure that the rainwater does not really mix a lot with the city water, with heights of hot water, cold water, and various scientific rules. So this is the idea of hashoka. Now the commentaries, referring to the Taz, Turezov, explains that since the water was originally acceptable and the disqualifying factor is incidental, not coming as a result of intentional activity, three looking fell, then the stringency mentioned in Note 23 need not be adhered to, and you don't have to make all the old water flow out. Okay. Zayin hamesalik asatik litzodim. What if there's mud from the bottom of a mikvah, and a person moves the mud aside, excavates the mud, and that mud removal brought three lugim of water into the mikvah. Hanei kosher, it's kosher. It's not a problem. And the reason is, because it was all in the mikvah. What if he uprooted this mud? And he picked it up with his hand. We're dealing in mikvah and separating it from the mikvah. So now it's not connected to the mikvah. Let's see that to the side. And they flowed from this mud sitting on the side of the mikvah. They flowed back into the mikvah. This is considered drawn. This invalidates. Why? Because in the first scenario, the mud and its water was not separated from the mikvah. Here it was separated from the mikvah. Now comes an interesting situation. When there's an army, a gaios, a legion of soldiers. That is journeying from place to place. And they're marching with their horses. So also there's a bunch of animals that are journeying from one point to the other. And, you know, they're going through whatever it is they're going through. Water and canals, and I don't know what. The fact is that they passed by a mikvah, and they caused, in one form or another, they splashed three lugim or more into this mikvah. They didn't mean it. They didn't intend it. They just did it. kosher is still kosher. Furthermore, Even in some cases, if this is the way this mikvah developed to begin with, it's still considered acceptable. And this is a little bit problematic. So, some points here. He says, as they were proceeding without thinking of doing so, the people and or the animals splashed water into the mikvah, since the water was not moved from its original place through willful activity. Nobody planned on it. On man's part, it's not considered as drawn. Therefore, it doesn't disqualify the mikvah. Not only does water moved in such a manner not disqualify the mikvah, but it can be used to comprise the measure of 40 saw, provided that certain requirements are met, that makes a mikvah acceptable. Test, the closing paragraph is a very problematic paragraph. A lot of discussions in commentary about this paragraph. Let's learn. Mikvah, saw. The scenario begins with a mikvah that does not have 40 saw. And there fell into this mikvah less than three lugim of impure water. Here we go back to purity and impurity. This water is not pure. Shuvim, not only is it impure, but it's also humanly drawn. So it has two negatives. It became impure and it's drawn by humans. And it fell into a mikvah that has less than 40 saw, which is another problem. A mikvah that's less than 40 saw is susceptible to lots of bad stuff. You can still use this water to knead a dough and take the Kohen's portion of challah from it, which has to be pure. And here this water was impure. You can use this for truma. You can wash hands. Why? Because the rule is that when a little water which is what three lugan is, falls into a lot of water, the little water is nullified by the lot of water. So from the perspective of impurity, it's not a problem. 
However, it's not fit to build a measure for mikvah because impure water, drawn water, falls into a mikvah less than 40, so it's a problem. So I believe the point here is the water was both impure and it was drawn. The impure goes away. The drawn does not go away. The impure goes away. You can use it for halal and for truma. The drawn factor is still a problem. That's part one. Part two, Yodu Aleim Shom and there now came down rain. Along came the rain. Then Rabu Aleim and added a lot of rain water. If a lot of rainwater descended, and it's now the majority of the mixture, there's more rainwater than non-rainwater, it is acceptable to be used as a collection of mikvah water. What if there fell into it three lugin of impure drawn water? And his apostle, it is in, the earlier scenario was less than three lugin. Now it's three lugin, it's, in, it's, it's disqualified. It's now disqualified for all of the above. Hand washing, why? Because earlier it was less than three lugin, now it's more than three lugin. It's a substantial amount of impure water. The water cannot become nullified in its impurity. And it's not fit for mikvah because now it is more than three saw. Whereas earlier it was less than three saw. That's why the water could be used as a mikvah earlier. But here it's a problem. If it rained and put in mucha water, rainwater, kosher water, now it becomes kosher and truma. Because that's what happens when a little bit of water is nullified by a lot of water, but still it remains unfit. Because it had three lugin more. They cover salam together, be gathered, actually to call shame until all the first waters leaves. because all the earlier water being that was under forty saw became like drawn water, and consistent with the earlier there has to be left less than three lugin. And so also mikvah mikvah. She has bayabain saw dinar, which has forty saw, missing a tiny bit, the weight of a dinar, which relatively speaking is very little. There's just poquito poquito missing to the forty saw. And off the and they're belling three lugin of impure water. Three lugim is a lot. Today's apostle the chalo. Well, the truma will It's unfit for chal and truma and to wash hands. Of suddenly, kavas aleim is unfit for mid for mikvah. No, I'll say the pachas mishlechu lugim mayim less than shlechu lugim. I feel the kulam to me even if they're all impure. Hakat nafu the pachas mishkol dinner makes shomim bishlim and then they fell. A tiny drop, the weight of a dinner of rainwater. Kosher is kosher. This is the very perplexing part of this halacha. What does it mean? Why is it kosher? It's very inconsistent to everything we learned earlier. Kishem shatoyer litfilah just as it's pure for immersion. Kachtar lechol dover it's pure for everything. And again, this is a very difficult section to understand in the Rambam. A lot of commentary discussing this, and we'll leave it at that. End of chapter five. Rambam Hilchay Mishnah Torah Hilchay is the laws of mikvaos or mikvaot Perek Shishi chapter six. Aleph one, continuing in the laws of what invalidates a mikvah. And the principle here is is that when there are three lugin of mayim shuubim of drawn water drawn by human hand, they can invalidate an incomplete mikvah. Definition of incomplete is a mikvah that does not yet have forty saw. Call hakelim hamakablim. Any receptacle, any utensil that has a receptacle. We learned earlier that what defines a utensil as a utensil is if it receives, if it holds stuff. So here we have a utensil that has a receptacle. Where water passed over them, or water fell from them. These are considered utensils. By definition, this is considered drawn water because the water was in a receptacle. And they invalidate, they disqualify the mikvah, providing it did not yet have a complete 40 saw. Because if it did, it wouldn't invalidate it. Who? Provided that the intent in manufacturing these utensils would be as a receptacle. Even if for some reason they were utensils that do not take on impurity, what, for example, if utensils are there that do not take on impurity? For example, stone utensils. Stone doesn't take on impurity. Earth utensils. Earth as compared to earth and where. This is earth. Despite the fact that these are made of stone or earth, they still invalidate. Base too. On the other hand, conversely, any utensil which was not created to receive, even though it does, but it was not created or manufactured for that purpose, does not disqualify the mikvah. For example, very simple example. Like the pipes from which water flows. The purpose of a pipe, why do pipe manufacturers manufacture pipes? So the water flows, not the water is received. Not that the water sits there. In fact, if the water sits there, you may have to pull a plumber. 
Even though it's possible that there is a width in the middle of the pipe, and for some reason it has a little receptacle area, but that's not the intent. The, the receptacle area is there for a reason, but not to receive. For that reason, they do not disqualify the mikvah. Even if they were of materials that do become impure, like metal or earthenware, but the fact is they were not produced as receptacles. When you have a, tro- a, 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 a trough in a stone, there's a receptacle area in stone. It does not disqualify the mikvah. Why? Because a trough in a stone is not considered a utensil. The Rambam speaks about a crevice in a mountain or a hollow in a rock, and the receptacle is part of that natural setting. That's the reason. The trough is part of the natural setting of the rock. That's why it doesn't disqualify the mikvah. But if you had a utensil, Kli, if you had a utensil, which was combined with a rock or stone, it does disqualify the mikvah. Why? Because it's a utensil. Even though he went and attached it with lime, it doesn't matter. Because it's a utensil. However, if he pierced it, he made holes at the bottom. Or on the side, is wide as the opening of a drinking pouch, which I remember correctly is two fingers wide, I think. And therefore, it no longer disqualifies the mikvah. Now you have a couple of diagrams here, and I need a producer here. My producer ran away on me. You have the diagrams of pipes. You have a curved pipe and a pipe with a receptacle. But these are not manufactured with the intent of having receptacles. They just happen to have them. A little more. So here you have the diagrams from the Mosnaim Rambam, which come from the Rambam's original diagrams, as all of these do in his commentary to the Mishnah. Okay. Moving right along, Dalit 4, Somebody takes a large utensil. Kigay, for example, Chobis Gudela, a large barrel. Hey, Areva Gudela, or a large kneading trough. Nikobe Nekev. And he makes a hole. Hametare, which, as we learned earlier, different materials require different size holes to make them not utensils. So he made a hole large enough, and then affixed it to the ground. So he took something that used to be a utensil, pierced holes in it so it's no longer a utensil, affixed it to the ground, and he said, voila, this is my mikvah. So he just points out here that which we learned earlier. If these containers, if this vessel, for example, was made from wood or bone, the hole has to be large enough for pomegranates to fall through. If you have pomegranates and they fall through, that's a hole that's big enough that says this is a shvacha container. <laughs> this is not a container. If it's made of metal, the hole must be large enough to prevent the container from performing whatever its function is. If it's made of earthenware, the hole must be large enough for olives to fall out. These are the various requirements we learned earlier about disqualifying, invalidating a utensil. So this is the deal here. The deal is he made a hole in it. It's large enough to make it a non-utensil. And then he affixed it to the ground and he said, this is my mikvah. Why is the water not leaking out of it? Because it's hitting the ground. So also if he plugged a hole with lime or with various building materials like pebbles and so on, which are not very good materials to plug holes with, so it does not disqualify it. The water that is gathered in it, mikvah, kosher is a kosher mikvah. Why? Because, again, the material you use to plug these holes are, as we like to say here, shmach. Not very functional. But, if he plugged it with seed, a big him. what if he plugged it with more functional building materials, like uh, seed, lime, or gypsum in an appropriate way, then it's a utensil, and it disqualifies a mikvah. Actually, why not? Until he fixes it, borders to the earth, a yibna, or he builds it as into part of a building. If it was taken and placed on the surface of the earth or on lime and, and lime and mud was smeared on its sides, then this is acceptable to use as a mikvah and it's not a problem as long as he affixes it to the ground permanently. Hey, what if somebody takes a tablet, like a tray, a tablet without sides, and he places it under a drainage pipe? What is a drainage pipe? A pipe that drains running water. Now the water flows on top of this tablet. We're not talking about the computer tablet. Because that could ruin it. They descend into the mikvah, so the drainage pipe flows onto the tablet, which leads the water into the mikvah. Now, the question is, is this tablet a utensil to disqualify this water from entering the mikvah, or is it not? So he says, the litmus test is, if the tablet has sides, rims, then it's considered a utensil that disqualifies the mikvah. But if not, it does not disqualify, and there's discussion, how many rims and so on, one side, two sides, three sides. However, if his intention was not to lead the water into the mikvah, he had a very different intention. What was his intention of placing this tablet, this uh, wall, this tray, under the drain pipe? His intention was to wash 
he held it under, he placed it under the drain pipe in order to wash it. So his intent is simply to wash the drain pipe, even though it has walls, and if this does not disqualify. Because his intent is not for it to receive water, on the contrary, his intent is for the water to flow off of it. Therefore, it's not a problem. What if there's a pipe? And somebody digs out a receptacle area in the pipe in order for pebbles, which are always present in water, to fall into that receptacle area so the pebbles do not keep flowing to the ultimate place where the pipe is flowing. They not descend, for example, into the mikvah or whatever with the water. So the question is, is this receptacle that's now catching the pebbles, is that a problem? If this pipe was a wooden pipe, and he dug a little bit into this wooden pipe, so it disqualifies it. Why? Because then any water that went through this wooden pipe with a receptacle of any size, ultimately as it drains into this thing you're trying to create as a mikvah, was in a receptacle. It's problematic. Or Shikvoi, Acha Shikvoi, but even if he attached it after he created the receptacle in the wooden pipe and it's attached to the ground or to the building, there was a period of time when it was considered a utensil when it was not attached. Therefore, it invalidates the mikvah because this pipe is a utensil. Ah, but, but if the reverse is true, in Kvoi, the Karka, at first he affixed it to the ground. So now it became attached to the ground. And then he dug this receptacle, a little area, in the place so it now no longer disqualifies. Because first it was attached to the ground. And one of the ways of making sure that a utensil is not a utensil is attaching it to the ground before it becomes a utensil. However, in Mayotina Shalchan, it's worth it was made of earthenware. Then, in the place, so it does not disqualify, actually, until there is enough in this area to receive a quarter of a lug. That's called the rebius. Even though you can say, hey, what's the problem? That area is filled with pebbles anyway, so it's full. So it's not a receptacle area anymore, because once it's filled with pebbles, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't matter. It continues to maintain its status of disqualification. The fact that it's filled with pebbles does not mean it's closed. But if in that area there descended earth or pebbles or something which will really seal it, the Nikbash and it stopped it up, and it's a kosher, now it lost its title of receptacle, and it is actually kosher. Zayin has a sponge. We had Lee and a Peo, Shahiban Shlish's looking mind, which had three looking of water, which is the minimum amount of water, which can disqualify a mikvah that does not yet have forty saw. The knuckle of the mikvah and the sponge fell into the mikvah, or the pail with the water fell into the mikvah. So what happens? The sponge had the three saws of water, but it's in the sponge. The pail had the three looking water, but it's in the pail. Lake Saluhu, it does not invalidate the mikvah. Shall they all know looking shinoffle? Because we're talking about three looking that fall, like Lee, Shinoffle by my shoe. We're not talking about a utensil in which there exists three looking. However, in his commentary to the Mishnah, in the Kwai chapter 6, Mishnah 4, the Rambam emphasizes that this leniency applies only provided the water from the sponge and bucket does not mix with the water of the mikvah. But if it does mix with the water of the mikvah, of the mikvah then it does invalidate it because it does not yet have more than 40 saw. Ches hashidah large utensils, like oversized closets and oversized chests, which we learned earlier do not take on impurity. Shebayam, and they're in the sea. They're in the sea. The sea is a kosher place to immerse, but you can't immerse in this oversized chest or closet. This has holes, and it's perforated with perforations as wide as a drinking pouch, which again, if I remember correctly, two fingers worth. However, it was not a chest or a closet, but if it was a sack, and if we remember earlier, we learned that it's made out of goat's hair, which is very coarse, a kupa or a basket, which is woven out of uh, various grow, uh, vegetation, then it's so flow-through, you can immerse in them or immerse things in them. If somebody places a sack. A goat's here or a basket under a flow, and whatever flows from that does not invalidate the mikvah because these are totally, totally flow through and they do not create a problem. That's some commentaries say that's a good idea of a method in which to immerse utensils to begin with. You put it in a sack or a basket. Okay, test. We learned earlier about a gistra. A gistra is a broken utensil that was used to place under a utensil that developed a leak because it has a flat surface and it'll collect the liquid that flows. It's not fit for anything but to sit under another vessel. It's a tray that's not functional because it sits under another vessel. That's all it can do. <clears throat> so this gistra today, oh, it happened to have become impure. This impure gistro, this impure, dysfunctional tray that can only function to sit under something to collect its liquids is now in a mikvah. And the top or the tip or the lip of it protrudes out of the water. And he took utensils, put it in this gistro, which is a good place to hold utensils in. It's big, it's, it has surface. And he used it to immerse utensils with. <clears throat> so here we have a paradox. They do make these utensils pure from their state of impurity. Why? Because the utensils went into the mikvah. And this gistro is not a utensil. 
but the problem is, when you lift it up from the water, while these immersed utensils are still in the airspace of this gistra, being that the gistra itself was not fully immersed, the gistra remains impure. So Mistama Hamayim Shalgab of the water in the Gisra again takes on impurity from the Gisra. Mayabi Gisra from the airspace of the Gisra. And now the water will convey impurity to the vessels. Here's an interesting situation. We learned earlier that their ovens or stoves used to be sitting on the ground with an open bottom. And the earth acted as the bottom. There was an earthenware oven with an open bottom and the earth was the bottom. And they used to heat it. What if suddenly a miracle happens? What's the miracle? A spring, a living spring developed. There's nothing like having a spring happen in your backyard. The problem is it happened under your oven. So suddenly under the oven there's a bubbling spring. There's water coming forth from the spring under the oven, and the oven happens to be impure. And now the person descended into the oven, into the spring rather, and he immersed himself in the spring. But in order to get in and out of the spring, he has to kind of use the oven as well, because it's sitting on his airspace. Who taught her? So the person is pure, because utensils cannot make people impure. But rabbinically, utensils can make hands impure. So his hands become impure while he becomes pure. His hands were in the airspace of the oven, so his hands are impure. And we learned a whole section of the purity of hands. Unless this spring water actually ascends above the level of the oven. Can do the as much as it takes to lift up the hands. So therefore, the situation will be when he immerses, his hands will be higher than the oven. So you say, what's the problem? It sounds like the oven was immersed in the spring. Why doesn't the oven become pure? It was immersed. The answer is, remember, the oven is earthenware. Earthenware utensils cannot be purified in a mikvah. As we explained, so these are some interesting uh, paradoxical dichotomies. Here's a situation where a barrel filled with drawn water fell into the sea, into the ocean. When he talks about Yama, it's usually Yama Pilu, Yama Bodo, the Great Sea, which is the Mediterranean Sea. A table sham, if anybody immerses, the Rambam says, in the barrel, they also like to be locked. Even though the barrel's water mixed with the sea water, the immersion doesn't help. Why? Because Because it's impossible that the barrel should not still retain at least three lugan stationary in one place, even though it should be mixing with the sea water. The kicker shall truma shall not hold the and therefore, if a loaf of truma bread fell there, Nikmah will become impure, but Mayama Shulam with the drawn water, because that's Allah. Shall be shall because the water is stationary. Now, there are other commentaries who comment on this teaching in the Mishnah that he immersed in the sea, and the barrel is next to him, but the Rambam seems to believe that he immersed in the barrel. Avalana Hores, that is if it was in a sea, or even the Great Sea, the Mediterranean, but a flowing river, the Mississippi River, which flows like molasses in the summertime, held the Hangim Shoch, and being that they flow, a river flows. And he's a table sham, he can immerse in this barrel because the water flows, causes the barrel water to quickly. Move out, so it's not a problem. The difference again is rivers flow, seas don't flow, they're just active. What if there was drawn water at the side of a mikveh? And remember, the mikveh does not yet have 40 saw, even though there wouldn't be a problem. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a problem. Even though the water is touching this mikveh water, again, you're trying to build up the 40 saw. You have 20 or 30 saw of kosher water, and then there is drawn water right next to it, even though it touches it. It does not invalidate it. Why? Because this meets the halacha of a mikveh adjacent to a mikveh, and when a mikveh is adjacent to a mikveh, and they're both not a kosher mikveh yet, one does not invalidate the water of the other. But, if the drawn water was in the middle, place when it's a mikveh, if it was in the middle of the mikvah, then it does disqualify the mikvah because then it kind of has to mix. Uh, because when it doesn't cause it to mix, it doesn't. But when it does, it does. Now we're moving right along to the next scenario. Shnei breches, and there is a diagram. Two pools or two mikvahs. Zula mizu, one higher than the other. The case of the name, there's a wall between them. We need some zooming here. Where are we here? Okay, so here we have the two mikvahs. We have A, the upper pool. B, the lower pool. C, the wall between A and B, between the lower and the upper pool. And D is a perforation cut between the two pools. So the water from one pool joins the other pool. Now. Again, Shtebrech has two pools, two mikvahs, not, neither of them are kosher mikvahs with 40 saw, but you're building to it. Zulamayim is one higher than the other, Kaisal Benayim, there's a wall between them. Well, the higher one, A, is filled with kosher water, meaning water that is kosher to build a mikvah with. And the lower one, Malayim, is filled with drawn water. And he perforated a hole. So now there's a connection between the higher and lower one. Uh, one of the commentaries says here, but the water level is even. Because if the water level wasn't even, there'd be flow here. 
Shlesha Lugimayim Shavim Shuvim, if there is three Lugin of drawn water. Opposite the opening, if the opening is big enough to contain the, the volume of three Lugin, then Nixel Al-Yayinah, then the higher Mikvah does become impure. Because it's as if this hole is in the middle of the upper Mikvah, and it mixes, as we learned in 11, later Tzidah, not on the sides. Yudimul 13. Kamo Yiyah Banekev, Shlesha Lugin. We're talking about two adjacent mikvahs, one higher than the other, with a hole connecting them. If there are three lugin opposite the hole, opposite the opening, then it's problematic. The question is, how big does this hole have to be in order for the to contain three lugin? That's sort of an abstract measure. So he says, It really depends upon the size of the pool. Let's say the lower of the two mikvahs were 40 saw. Then the hole has to be one over 320, one 320th of the pool. What if it was a much smaller collection and you're building towards a mikveh? It only has 20 saw. So the hole has to be echad mi mei abishishim labrecha. One over 160, 160th of the pool. Now says the Rambam, in case you think this is Kabbalistic, it's not, it's mathematical. And this is a formula that should help you calculate. The fact is that in a saw, there are six kabin. A kabin is a measure we talk about. Six times a kab equals a saw. There are six kabin in a saw. There are four lugin in a kab. Lug is what we talk about, three lugin. So let's figure out if there are and here's my iPhone calculator. You have six kabin times four lugin, 24. So you take 24 lugin, and in this scenario, times 40 saw is 960 kabin. Now you want to know what part is three kabin. So divided by three equals 320. So one 320th of the mikvah is three kabin. And the same is when it's half of that, it's not 320, but it's 160. As the Rambam says, now the this is not relevant to our issue, but it happens to be if you move further down this formula, that a log is shape in six eggs. Moving right along, Yudalid, Shleisha Mikvah, Izeb, Itzadzeh, if there are three mikvahs, one next to the other, one, two, three. As a matter of fact, every one of the mikvahs have 20 saw exactly. Now, the Echad Mehem Shal, Minatzad, of these three mikvahs, you have A, B, and C. A and B are kosher water, only 20 saw, but kosher. C, the one on the right side, for example, is not kosher, it's drawn water. Okay, so now you have 20, 20, 20, kosher, kosher, not kosher. The Yordu Shleisha, the scenario here is that three people went in, raised the water level. Because when a person goes in, it raises the water level. The Tabush washed on and they all immersed. And the water level was raised. The water level rose. Then at the top, they all connected. It was the three mikvahs because the water level rose. became one body of water. So now you have 60 saw. The problem is that 20 of that was not kosher. Not only are all three mikvahs kosher now, but the ones who immersed are also pure. Why? What's the logic? Because when 20 and 20 and 20 combine, it becomes not 40 saw, but 60 saw. of this 60, 40 were kosher adjacent to one another. So as soon as the 20 kosher and the 20 kosher mixed, you have 40. So you have a kosher mikvah. Once you have 40, you can add all the water. So the 60 is also, the, the other 20 is also kosher. The Enamayim Ashubim placed in the mikvah, the 20 drawn saw will not invalidate the mikvah sheesh by Abayim Sokos as we learned repeatedly. It already has 40 saw. Because mikvahs A and B became one, became kosher. C does not invalidate it. As we learned, not only does C not invalidate it, but C becomes validated. This is the principle, the axiom of Hashoka. Kissing, the water's touch. However, that only works if the drawn non-kosher water was on the side. But if it was in the middle, the middle of the three, beyond the and they descended, and they immersed, and then while I am the water mixed, and it started on the and all, all the mix was mixed, the middle one invalidates everything. Because the first contact was between the middle, which was not kosher water, and the ones on the side. And the mix remain as they were, which is not kosher water. But and the ones who immersed, they are impure, as they were. Status quo. Why? What's the difference? It's the same three mikvahs. Ah, because the drawn water is in the middle. Because here, the 40 kosher saw never mixed together before hitting the non-kosher water. Because they're not one next to the other. Because the drawn water mikvah separates them. End of chapter 6. Rambam, Mishnah Teda. Hilches mikvahis or mikvot. Moving right along. Perek Shvi, chapter 7. Now, some of you may recognize the subject matter in this chapter. In the Chabad and many other traditions, when we are in mourning or on a Yorzeit observance, we recite or study two chapters of Mishnah. 
This is the second, this is based upon the second chapter of Mishnah. And the reason this chapter of Mishnah was chosen is because in the Mishnahis, the last four Mishnahis, the last four Mishnahs, end with the letters Nun, Shin, Mem, He, which makes up the word Nishama. This then is the Rambam's version of that chapter. The Rambam, of course, is based upon the Mishnah and he develops his interpretation of halacha through the input of the various halachic sources he relies upon. Aleph 1, we're learning about what makes a mikvah kosher and unkosher. Ein ha-mikvah nitzel, a mikvah does not become disqualified. Loi b'shinu ha-tam, not because when someone will taste the water, it tastes different. Let's say somebody dropped a pill in that makes the water taste bitter. Taste is irrelevant. Loi b'shinu ha-reach, not if the water smells bad. If the water smells terrible, it doesn't matter. It doesn't change the kashrut of the mikvah. What is critically important? Ela b'shinu ha-reach, the most important aspect is what it looks like. Color. As a rule, any substance that may not be used to create a mikvah to begin with, Paiso will invalidate as a mikvah, disqualify the mikvah, once enough of it is added, where the color changes. Ketzad, spell it out, for example, Hayayin, wine. And generally speaking, when the Rambam, when Halacha talks about wine, we talk about red wine, because it changes color. White wine is not going to change color. Hayayin, a hecholov, or milk, v'hadam in blood, or kayetzibahem, or similar. Mimei kolapedes, from any other fruits, fruit juices, even if you put three lugin in, which has been the theme here of what we've been talking about, does not disqualify the mikvah. When we say three lugin, which has been the theme of the past five chapters, disqualify a mikvah, it's only if it's drawn water. But these substances will disqualify the mikvah, whether it's less or three, or more than three lugin, if it changes color. Furthermore, we know that a minimum for the kashras of a mikvah is 40 saw. Even if there's a mikvah that has two and a half times that, a hundred saw. And only one lug, not three, of wine fell in. I made or other fruit juices. If the color changes, also it invalidates the mikvah. So that's the, little, that's the litmus test. Did the color change? And so also, as we build to the kosher of a mikvah, what is a kosher mikvah? Kosher water that has 40 saw volume. Mikvah, she has saw, my shadim. You're building towards that. There's a mikvah with 20 saw of kosher water. I thought it was less, but you're working towards the 40. And all the say, saw yayin, and only one saw of wine fell in. I made paytas or fruit juice. Relation was it did not change the color. It's still more or less, I'll you there, has the same color. These 20 saw or less, which are now 21 or less, become, remain as kosher as before. Why? Because the color was not affected. The ain hasaw shanoflo elo the mikvah. However, don't count this saw of wine or fruit juice towards the forty that you need to accumulate. So you're going to need forty-one because you can't count this one. The im naisiv ala esim esim achedem ayim shedim. For example, if the original volume was twenty and you added another twenty, despite the fact that we also have one saw of wine or colored fruit juice, but it doesn't change the color. Are a mikvah kosher? It's a kosher mikvah. So what's the key? Did it change color or not? And now some may even recognize the language here, which is identical to the mikvah to the Mishnah language. Yesh ma'alinas amikvah There are some substances which can raise the level of the mikvah and cause it to ascend to a level of kashrus, meaning what? We need 40 saw in a mikvah. If you have 39 saw and you put in a saw, or whatever we're going to talk about, it could actually raise it to 40. Not only doesn't it harm it, it helps it. That's the meaning here. Again, yesh, my on mikvah, some substances elevate the status of the mikvah, and they certainly do not disqualify the mikvah. There are other substances, they disqualify, and they don't raise or elevate. Sometimes it's neutral, as we say in Yiddish, it doesn't affect it either way. So these are three categories, and this is a poetic introduction. Gimel, the elu, and what follows, malin, causes a mikvah to be considered acceptable or raises the level the late place and does not disqualify. Here comes a list of good stuff. Number one is hashelik, snow. Snow is okay to put into a mikvah. What is snow? Snow is water. The haborod or hail, the hakfer or sleet, the haglid or ice. So all of these are water. The hamelach and salt, the tit, hanorik and mud that flows, not solid mud, but flowing mud. All of these can actually contribute to the collection of 40 saw in the mikvah. He says here that that's mud with the consistency of saliva, not really thick mud. Ketzad, spell it out, for example, or as I used to say when I was a kid in Newark, give me a for instance, mikvah that has 40 saw, chaserechaz minus one, meaning it's missing one, 39 saw, benofel, l'seichet, saw me echad me elo, in one of the above list, snow, hail, sleet, ice, salt, and flowing mud, fell into it, hareza, elo, let me go say, it ascends to the necessary 40 saw, vareya mikvah kosher, now the mikvah is kosher, visholim, and now the mikvah is complete, so not only doesn't it harm, and doesn't it neither harm nor help, it helps, 
Nimsu, so therefore what we have here is that the above substances, Malin, they elevate the water's level, or they elevate it to a status of kashrus, but they do not disqualify. Furthermore, says the Rambam here, let me tell you something. Even a 40 saw of snow was brought to begin with. What's the challenge with bringing snow? The challenge is not to put it in a container. Because once you put the snow in a container, it becomes mayim shubim, it becomes drawn water. Because the container, and lifting it, and transporting it, and validates it. But if you brought it in a kosher way, and he placed it in some level of a cavity, and crushed it there, to make sure that it is not solid, which means even if the snow were like were collected, he says here in an oath with an implement, they do not disqualify a mikvah as long as they don't melt while in the implement. Otherwise, it'll be water in a utensil. Now he says here that in practice, in recent years, what are you doing when you build a mikvah? And you're in a climate like Southern California where it doesn't rain when you want it to. Six months, eight months, a year can go by until you get enough water in the right time in the right place. So he says in recent years, mikvahs have been made in places where rain does not descend by collecting snow from neighboring mountains with wire mesh shovels that's made in a kosher way, a shovel that's not a solid container, in a freezer truck so it doesn't melt, and then shoveling it with kosher shovels into the mikvah's reservoir. And when I first arrived to Southern California, I arrived here in 1973 as a shliach of the Rebbe with my wife and three-week-old son. One of the first experiences, I don't remember the exact date, one of the earlier experiences was they had built a mikvah in Long Beach. And the mikvah was ready to go and it didn't rain. So we had a mikvah party. We went up to the snow with a freezer truck. And we had milk crates, plastic milk crates that had holes in them. And we had specially designed plastic shovels with holes in them. And we took a truckload of snow and brought it back to the mikvah and did exactly what this halacha Rambam says. And that's what made the rainwater in the mikvah. So not only is a little snow okay, but to begin with, if you know what you're doing, you can use snow to fill the rain bore, the rain cistern of a mikvah. Dalid. So up to now we learned the good substances. The following invalidate a mikvah, disqualify a mikvah, and do not elevate it. Mayim shubin, water drawn by hand, or water drawn in a vessel, water drawn by humans. It's irrelevant whether this water is pure or impure. It causes a mikvah to become invalid because it's drawn. And we learned this extensively earlier. Umei kvashim, water that was used for pickling, pickle juice, herring juice. Umei shlokes, water that was used for cooking. Vehatmod and a mixture of water and great dregs. Great dregs is what's left at the bottom of the barrel before it becomes sour or vinegar. The hashechar and beer. All of the above is not kosher to add to a mikvah. For example, even missing a tiny bit, the weight of a small coin called a dinar. And one of the above list of liquids, drawn water, water that was used for pickling, water used for cooking, a mixture of water and great dregs, before they became vinegar and beer, fall into it just a little tiny bit. As big as a dinar. It does not raise it to the level of the mikvah. It does not bring it up to the 40 saw, even though it has now 40 saw. And even though that was such a little bit. And if one of the above list, if three lugan fell in place on this mikvah, not only does not help it, but it disqualifies it. So that is the level of liquid that does not help elevate it, does not disqualify it, unless a large volume fell in, then it even disqualifies it. And now he says, and the next list is a neutral list. They neither qualify a mikvah, nor cause it to become disqualified. All other liquids, or may pay us in all fruit juices. We had seer, we learned about seer extensively earlier. Fish brine, which was a very common michael back then. The fish oil. The hatmod, a mixture of water and great dregs, Misha Hafiz that did become vinegary. The earlier one didn't, this one did. Kaysad, spell it out. Mikvah Shesh by Boim saw. Chosarachas, a mikvah that has 40 saw minus one. Menachem, Echem, Eilam, one of the above list. There fell in of this list, saw, a saw, the Seichon within it. Lay Ha'elahu, number one, it does not elevate it. The fact that there's now 40 saw of liquid doesn't mean anything because the 40 saw was not an acceptable liquid. But I am Mayim, Shayim, Kishahayu, the water is kosher as it was previously. It does not disqualify the 39 saw. Shayim, Eilu, placement, Elevashim, unless it changed the color. It will not invalidate. These are neutral. To make sure we honor as we explain. We'll call him Shay Mylan. But there are times that the above list does elevate the status of the mikvah. Kate for example. Mikvah she has by Abu himself. A mikvah had 40 saw. When one of the above list fell into the mikvah, what above list are we talking about? Other liquids, fruit juices, fish brine, fish oil, a mixture of water and great dregs that became vinegary. A saw fell in. And then he took a saw out. You had 39 saw of kosher water. A saw of the above list fell in. And then he removed a saw of the 40 saw. So now he has of the 41 saw. The fact is that there are now 40 saw left. This is considered an acceptable mikvah, even though everybody knows that the 40 saw that are left are not made up entirely of original kosher water. You have to have some of this list in it. It has to contain at least some of it. Nevertheless, because the mikvah was already classified as acceptable, it's not removed from that category because it already 
had 40 saw, a 41st saw fell in. So therefore you just take out a saw. And he points out that according to some, this only applies up to half the measure of the mikvah, because as long as the major portion of the mixture is acceptable water, the additional liquid could be considered nullified. So that's the chidush, that's the contribution here. Okay. We learned that changing color is a problem, but when somebody washed baskets which were used to collect olives, black olives cause blackness, or grapes in a mikvah causing the water's color to change, still, it is acceptable. It's not considered like wine or oil fell into the water, but it's rather just considered schmutz, filth. Therefore, the water is not disqualified because they are just the baskets rather than the objects themselves. What if a dye, D-Y-E, falls in? It only disqualifies the mikvah if three lugin of the dye fall in, because that is considered drawn water. But the fact that the dye changes the color of the water does not negatively affect it, because we only talk about stuff, liquids falling in, not a chemical dye, which will cause it to change the color of the mikvah, that we're not concerned about. When a mikvah had wine or black fluid from olives or other fruit juices fall into the mikvah, and it changed the color of the water, even if it doesn't totally change it to wine, but it changes it somewhat to that color. So now you have a changed color. How do we repair it? How do we fix it? So he says, you should wait until new rainwater comes down, and you cause the rainwater to flow in a kosher way into the mikvah. But enough rainwater comes in and it returns to a water color, that's fine. But if there already was 40 kosher soy in the mikvah, you're not working on a mikvah, it's a kosher mikvah, and the color changed, then you can put drawn water into it. Until it changes back to a water color. Why? Because we learned you're allowed to put drawn water into a 40 soy mikvah. What if wine or black fluid from olives or anything else falls into a mikvah? And partially it changes its color. If it doesn't have 40 saw of unchanged color water in it, it should not immerse in it. If somebody immerses in the spot where the water color did change, that's a real invalidation. But also, the immersion is not considered kosher. Furthermore, you had a barrel of water, a big barrel of water that broke in the Mediterranean Sea, in the ocean. How much water is there in the ocean? A lot. And the color of the water of that place is wine color. If somebody immerses in that spot, it's not a kosher immersion. Even though you can say, hey, what do you want from me? I'm in the Mediterranean Sea. Because the spot that you are immersing in is wine-colored. That is a problem. Yud, ten, three lugin of drawn water. Where even a small measure, the measure of a coin called a dinar fell into it. What fell in? Wine. And the three lugin now changed color. And all three lugin plus the dinar looks like wine. It's three lugin of water and a little bit of wine, but the wine changed the color. It does not invalidate the mikvah. Unless it changed its color. We're not concerned about the fact that this is color water, as long as it did not change the color of the mikvah. And... Because the, this is not considered wine right now, it's considered diluted wine. Okay. Yud Aleph, right? 11. Of drawn water. Less a dinar's worth, less a little bit. And they fell into that milk or fruit juice. And it all looks like water. It doesn't invalidate it. Why? Because the law of three lugin of water has to be three lugin of water. And here there's a little milk or a little fruit juice. Until three lugin of drawn water, shame, bantarevis, mashach, without a mixture of another liquid, falls into it. And not fruit juice. Yud Bey is mikvash and ishanamara. What if the mikvah? Its water changed color on its own. Nothing fell in. It's just that the water changed in time or what have you. And he's a kosher. From the perspective of color change, we're not concerned. It's kosher. The only time we say it's a problem is if there's another liquid that falls in. But just water on its own, changing color, does not create that problem of changing color. End of chapter 7.